Welcome back to another episode of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. I'm Owen Chatter. He's Matt Ferreira. Matt, how are we doing today? Doing amazing. I mean, it's great to see you as always, and we got some very special guests coming up for everybody, so. Very special guests, and notice that is plural. We will get to who our guests are in a few minutes. But first, we want to highlight some Futures League news that has come across our desk over the last few weeks awards more awards coming in by the day team awards are coming in best social media team congratulations to the new britain bees who have a great social media crew led of course by play-by-play announcer randy brochu who is a highlight reel behind the mic uh brett shaves and the brockton rocks are are your best video broadcast award for the 2023 season brett and company have done a great job producing uh, a great show for everybody on Blue Frame. Make sure to check that out next season uh, because I'm sure they'll bring most of those people back because it was awesome. Uh, best food, and boy, was it. It was the Westfield Starfires North Elm Butcher Block. If you want to see a full story on that, check out former co-host of Back to the Future's Matt Satilli's story on the Westfield Starfires and the Butcher Block on our Twitter. The Nashua Silver Knights, who who had the return of monkey boy presented by barstool sports as our best in-game promo. That was a lot of fun. You want to see that they're actually making a documentary soon. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, Two more awards here. We also had our best, another team and staff award. It was best non-baseball event at the ballpark, except it was baseball because it's Savannah bananas. It's a great brand of baseball. The bananas sold out Campanelli stadium. It was a fantastic event. Uh, put on by the Brockton Rocks. So congratulations to them on a great event. And finally, we had our best community promo. It was dig in for Pete. Uh, You know, everybody contributed to get in those bracelets. Pete Wilk made his return to the field. It was a fantastic night in Vermont. And someone, uh, two people that Pete Wilk meant a lot to are our two guests on this show, Tim Noon and Jimmy Evans, formerly of the Vermont Lake Monsters. They both played there in 2022. Uh, Jimmy has been there for two years, Tim Noon just for one, but he also played with Brockton in 2020. Matt, it was great to hear from these guys. Yeah, it's great to hear from them and see their stories from D3 to now teaming up in in the ACC. So it was great to pick their brains baseball-wise. You get to hear pitching and hitting side. Yeah, and we've talked to a number of people about this in the last couple of seasons on Back to the Futures about the transition from Division Three to Division One and the growth and the importance of the transfer portal. These guys have certainly taken advantage of that. Uh, Jimmy said he was a long, uh, a long time Duke fan, so he's very excited uh, about being part of the uh, Blue Devils community now. And Tim, who keep, continues to elevate his game, going from the that pretty good conference in Division Three. What's the name of it, Matt? New Mac. Ah, yes, the New Mac. He went from there to uh, Division One, where congratulations to Tim on getting that opportunity with the Blue Devils. You want to hear from these guys. It's going to be a great episode. Make sure to tune in for this episode and future episodes on Back to the Futures. As always, you know where to find us: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube. Let's take you to this episode with Jimmy Evans and Tim Noon. We are honored to be joined by two guests here on this episode of Back to the Futures. Two guys who have played for the Vermont Lake Monsters and are now playing for the Duke Blue Devils baseball team. We got Jimmy Evans and Tim Noon. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Great. Thanks for having us on the show. Yeah, fired up to be here. Appreciate you guys bringing us on. I've been a fan of the show for a couple of years that I've been in the Futures League. And 
Owen got it out of the way. You guys now both are at Duke, and you both got there from the transfer portal. How would you guys end up there? Jimmy, let's start with you, and then we'll go over to Tim. Yeah, for sure. So, um, obviously, due to COVID, I was given two extra years of eligibility, one from 2020, and then 2021, all Division three players um, got back another year because that season was a little weird. We only played like 16 to 20 games-ish um, at Tufts. So we all got eligibility back from that. Um, and then immediately knowing that I have two extra years, I wanted to advance my game and, you know, play at the next level and also get um, a graduate school degree. Um, so basically I wanted, I knew, I knew I wanted to play at, at a high level. Um, and obviously the ACC um, is top notch. Um, so that's where I wanted to be. Um, I was trying to go to a top notch business school as well. Um, and Duke kind of has the best of both worlds with athletics and academics. Um, in the summer I played in 2022 with the Lake Monsters. That's kind of when it all came together. Um, I started talking to coach Pollard um, and he started watching me when I was playing in Vermont. Um, we kept, kept in touch throughout the summer. He was following along with my stats and watching video and the games I was playing and whatnot. Um, and then it kind of came together in the fall when I came on my visit to Duke. So that, yeah, that's, that's my story. Um, I was, you know, just looking to play at the next level and it all came together very nicely. And I've always been a huge uh, blue devil fan my entire life, especially through Duke basketball. I mean, I cannot like Duke basketball unless you're a UNC fan, but um, so it was kind of a dream come true when that all came together and I'm fired up to be here. Um, yeah. So mine, similar to Jimmy, um, my process was a little bit later. You know, we both played in Vermont, uh, had, a, had a good summer out there. It was an absolute blast. Uh, we were very, I was very fortunate to be brought on by Pete Wilk. And, you know, the coaching staff was great and I learned a lot and got a lot better up there. So I had some good stats and throughout my spring season, I was in contact with coach Pollard and some of the Duke coaches. And as I made my way through the Babson season, um, the process kind of ramped up and eventually it ended with a phone call and a decision on my end to, to come down here to Durham for my final year. And it was a pretty cool process. You know, it's always exciting to, to be in a position where you have the opportunity to play the best baseball and get one of the best degrees in the country. So it's been a cool journey and, you know, couldn't be happier with where I am right now. And before you guys got to Duke, you both mentioned it. You had a great summer in 2022 with the Lake Monsters. What were both of your times like up there? Yeah, I'll, I, I, I describe it as like the best baseball experience like I've ever had. I thought it was as close as you can get to professional baseball experience without actually being in the pros. The way we were treated by the organization was second to none. I Everybody that I talked to regarding the Lake Monsters, I can't stop talking about how unbelievable the summer was from the, the coaching staff, the facilities, um, the access to, to weight rooms, the, the meals, pregame and postgame, the travel. You know, they, they treated us like we were professional baseball players. And I think that brings the best out of a lot of players because you're in the best position to compete and grow and become the best baseball player. And, you know, we had a great group of guys that year, really tight knit team. We made it all the way to the championship. Ultimately, we ended up coming a little short, but still just an unbelievable experience. Yeah, so just piggybacking off uh, Tim there, um, playing in with the Lake Monsters is like the most fun summer baseball um, experience I've ever 
been a part of. Um, you know, obviously great location in Burlington, Vermont. We had unbelievable coaching staff with Pete Wilk, Matt Fincher, and a couple other guys. Um, the fans there, as you as you know, um, pretty pretty much leads the Futures League in attendance, um, at least in every single year that they've been a part of it. Um, it's truly just a professional organization. Um, and like Tim said, it just simulates pro ball in a sense, you know, playing the Futures League schedule with 60 games or whatever it is, um, plus playoffs and all the travel you have to do. And you really have to love baseball and you have to love what you're doing to um, succeed in that league. And Tim and I both fall into that um, that category. And, you know, I, I believe like playing in the Futures League and playing for Vermont really helped Tim and I grow as players and helped us get to the to Duke and to this next level where we're at now. Um, so it's another huge credit to the Futures League as a whole and the coaching staff in Vermont. Um, I know I'm very close with all the coaches there. I talk to Pete Wilk all the time. I text Matt Fincher back and forth. Um, and I, you know, talk to Finch about hitting or whatever I need to do. Um, if I'm struggling at the plate or just want to just catch up with him, I, I talk to him all the time and same thing with Pete. So it's, it's more than just a baseball field relationships. You know, we're just growing friendships, lifelong friendships along the way. Um, and couldn't have asked for a better time in Vermont. And for both of you, summer ball, we've seen 60 games, 60 plus games. It can be a long season. How did that prepare you for your fall ball and spring in spring season going forward throughout college? Yeah, I think the the 60 game schedule puts you through a little bit of a grind, but like Jimmy mentioned, you got to love it. And if you love it, it's really doesn't feel like much of a grind at all. And we're both coming from the division three level where our seasons were about 40 games before we hit the playoffs. So our summer season was actually longer than, than our college season, but now in, in the ACC, we've got what a 57, 58 game regular season schedule. So definitely knowing that I've been through a schedule like that makes me feel comfortable knowing that my body can handle it and physically and mentally we'll be ready to go when the time comes. Yeah, for sure. And alongside the amount of games you're playing, it's about like figuring out your own ways and your own process to get ready each and every day um, on the field, you know, mobility routines, what time I got to be out there for hitting, um, what food am I packing, like things like that just helps you like mature along the way. And like we mentioned earlier, just truly simulates the pro ball experience. And then using that now um, into this longer um, 60 game season that we have here at Duke, it's just going to be just like that um, a grind, but a fun grind. And it's, you know, um, mentally and physically tasking, but if you love it, just like we do, um, it's, it's just, it's just a lot of fun along the way. Yeah, that's great. And that's super important, obviously to have that preparation when you guys go into college and Jimmy, when you were in Vermont, I mean, they loved you up there. It seemed like every time you came to a plate, it was big applauses, everybody screaming your name in the stands. What did it mean to be embraced the way you were by that fan base after you played there for uh, those two years? Yeah, I mean, it meant everything. Like, that was um, really, really cool and special. Um, it's you, – you feel like a celebrity the second you become a lake monster, and I think not only myself can say that, I think every single lake monster can say that, you know, through autographs, pictures – or whatever it is, um, they make you feel like home in Vermont. And I firmly believe that's why the Lake Monsters had so much uh, success the past three, three seasons in the Future League, um, you know, with the coaching and um, Chris English, the owner, and everything like that. But um, the fans really embracing me and, you know, 
had given me the nickname the mayor and all that stuff that was that was a lot of fun um we were actually running a camp the other day tim and i were at duke baseball camp and there was a family from uh burlington vermont that came to the prospect camp and um what they the guy recognized um both tim and i and he approached us and that's just like the connections you get um when playing in the lake monsters organization and they were just really excited just to chat with us and saying you know you guys are celebrities there and all that stuff it was a lot of fun watching you guys and whatnot um yeah so it was awesome a truly great experience in vermont and i have to ask one of the craziest things i've ever seen at a baseball stadium was listening to the whole crowd sing fly me to the moon how did you end up picking that as your walk-up song um not entirely sure i when i think about walk-up songs i i like to go little classy uh to the older songs um i i like frank sinatra a good amount um and i just thought that was like a catchy thing um i didn't realize it was going to catch on to, with the crowd and everything um so much like it did um i remember starting that in 2021 and then when we won the championship and everything um i was like i have to bring it back for 2022 of course um and then that followed into my tough season as well where it also stuck um uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, like I said, I just like classic music and it just, just like caught my eye when I, or caught my ear when I first heard it. And it's kind of like, I need to uh, do this for myself here. And it gives me a little mojo going up to the plate. And, and I think also the crowd reaction um, helped me, you know, stick with it, of course. Um, yeah. A lot of fun choosing that song. You, you keep, you sticking with it this year or no? Haven't fully decided yet. I guess we'll, we'll figure that out. Yeah, you got to see how you're heading and then kind of judge it from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Tim, obviously you played in Vermont, but before that you had a stint with the Brockton Rocks in your first season in the Futures League. First of all, how was your experience there kind of getting your first reps in the league, and then how did you end up in Vermont uh, afterwards? Yeah, the Brockton experience was was really cool. It was in the summer 2020, right after COVID shut everybody's seasons down. So – the Futures League was the only league that played that summer in New England. There's no Cape League. There's no NECBL. And there was a lot of local talent and a lot of guys that I think were supposed to play in the Cape or NECBL and then ended up on a Futures League roster. So I remember looking back and seeing a ton of draft picks out of that year. And as a freshman that didn't get a season, it was really cool to compete against some really good talent. And, you know, I played under Andy Terrio, Matt Gedman, um, and, you know, it was just a great co coaching staff uh, that year in Brockton. We didn't get any fans just because of the, the COVID rules, but great group of guys from, from incoming, incoming college freshmen to kids going to look into their fifth year. And it was obviously less travel than Vermont, but the competition was, was unbelievable. It, it was a blast of a summer. I, I'm still tight with a lot of guys from that team. Uh, I played, again, played with a bunch of D3 guys bunch of D one guys that I still talk to. So once again, like I, I, I can't speak and say enough, enough good things about that experience in the Brockton organization that year. Uh, it was, it was, it was a great time. Yeah. It was such an incredible year. And we just had Matt Shaw on last episode who mm -hmm. talked about, you know, his play that year. You talk about South Freilich being in that league, Dominic Keegan, Ben Rice, and it was an insane year for the futures league and the amount of talent that were, came through this league that year. And you guys were a pretty good team too. If number one seed out of the regular season, if I remember correctly, no? 
Yeah, I, I we had a good year. Um, I, I can't remember the seating exactly. One of, one of the crazy things I remember from that year was the opening day. We played Nashua and it went to extra innings and we got to witness the home run derby between Dom Keegan and Jake Geloff, who hadn't even hadn't even played a game at UVA and and Jake stuck basically stuck with Keegan the whole way and then eventually Dom Keegan pulled away. Um, my guess is a little bit a little bit of experience on his side there, but watching that, I was like, wow, this is legit baseball and it's gonna be a fun summer. Yeah, I remember covering – I don't know if I was there, but I remember hearing about that game just going, oh, this is going to be some kind of season. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we talked about the great season you had in 2020, but, Jimmy, you were part of that 2021 title team. What was it like being a part of that? That was really special. I mean, I came along halfway through. I didn't start the season in Vermont. Um, so when I got the contract from Pete – I remember Pete giving me a call and I was actually eating lunch with my, with my parents at the time. And he just called me up and says, Hey, can you get here tomorrow? We want you in right field. And I was like, tomorrow, like, like already, like, that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I, I remember scurrying up to Vermont and like, I can't say no to Pete Wilk, of course. Um, <clears throat> so I went up to Vermont and, you know, uh, played the second half of the year. And then we just got hot. I remember we, broke the futures league um, win record. And it was like the second I got there, not saying it was all because of me, obviously, but the second I got there, we won like 14 straight games. And I went up to Pete Wilk and I was like, do we, do we lose here? Like, this is, this is absolutely crazy. Now, <laughs> and he was like, no, I guess not. It just must be you. I mean, we just got you and then you we go on this win streak, but, but no, in all seriousness, um, it was just a great group of guys going through. And then we got hot at the right time, obviously the win streak, but you need to be hot in the playoffs, be able to win a championship, obviously. Um, so that playoff experience was, um, extraordinary. And then we, you know, at, towards the end of the summer and futures leagues, guys tend to leave and stuff like that. So we had about five or six of our starting lineup, um, leave for that championship series. So we needed guys to step up, um, in pretty much every position. And, you know, that's what happened. Guys got hot at the right time and we put it together. Um, but I'll never forget playing in front of that sold out crowd in Vermont and, you know, holding up the trophy, um, at the end, um, uh, with all the coaching staff and the players and, you know, here in the crowd games and whatnot. That was, that was truly experience, something I'll never forget. Yeah, and that that team was – it was so interesting because, again, you said it, May – I think we started the season in late May that year. And by the time you got there in July, the team was completely different. And then by the time the playoffs came in August, the team was different again. It was three different – essentially three different teams – that it combined that would have been a, there's a lot of rings to give out that year and i remember before that uh 14 game winning streak by like when i got there around the time i got there they were like well well below 500 they would the lake monsters were not in you know first place um i believe they were in the bottom half of the futures league and then the 14 game win streak obviously you know we jumped to the top of the barrel um so being able to do that and overcome adversity um was was pretty pretty special yeah, that was another fun year in the league. It ended up with you guys holding the trophy. Flash forward to 2022. You guys get a pitcher from Babson, who's pretty good at slinging the rock. You guys go on a good run, make it all the way there, but unfortunately after three incredible championship games, can't quite get the the trophy. But talk about that 2022 season. What was it like playing that whole season, playing so well and experiencing those incredible games to close out the year? Yeah, it was it was definitely a really cool experience getting there 
I remember me and Jimmy, I think, were there the very first practice. So we were there from May 24th to August 15th or whenever the, the championship game was. And we started off, I want to say, hovering around 500 for the first two weeks before we finally started to hit our stride and, and get hot. And I feel like we played really good baseball all year. We had a lot of guys that were excited to be there, that wanted to win. We were led by like Sean Matson, Toby, uh, McDonough, two studs on the mound. And then we just had guys that hit. It felt like we put up a million runs a game. And it made it really easy to pitch, um, especially with, with guys like Jimmy in the lineup and Colby Brulette too, just our lefty power guys, just driving in runs left and right. Um, it was it was definitely cool learning from Fincher and, and Pete Wilk. And that year as a new guy, there's a solid core of returners that had just won the championship that I could kind of look to to, to compare this year to last year and see how things were going. And it seemed like we were on a track to do it again. Obviously we, we fell up a little short, but it was still a really neat run. And even when it came down to the, the championship game, game three, the crowd was going crazy. It was unbelievable energy. And, you know, if a jam shot falls here or there or a hard line drive doesn't get caught, we're sitting here with a ring, but obviously that's, that's the beauty of the game of baseball. It's hard to win and it's really hard to win twice in a row. So it was, even though we ended up losing, it was a really awesome time. Yeah. So like, like Tim said, um, we were there from the very beginning and right away, um, Wilk um, kind of just appointed us as like the veterans of the group, um, you know, Tim playing in 2020 and myself being on the championship team the year before with, you know, Colby, Brulette, uh, Francis Ferguson, Wyatt Cameron. So he pretty much just um, appointed us as the veteran veterans and said, you guys are like the leaders of this team. And, you know, we're going to have to battle throughout the entire summer and um, go through some adversity and overcome adversity and, you know, lose, win some games, lose some games. And, you know, just do the best we can to make it back to the championship. And obviously we had a phenomenal year. I think we went on a huge winning streak again. I'm not sure if we broke our record from 2021 or not, but um, those um, those winning streaks clearly, you know, got us to the top of the barrel. Um, and obviously, like you said, um, we fell a little short at the end, but it was a phenomenal summer, um, of course, like just winning so many games and the crowd in Bur Burlington being with such great, great guys. Um, an unbelievable summer, even though we didn't um, win. Um, and that was an interesting summer for myself because um, around like, I think it was end of June or something like that. Um, I went down with an injury um, and I don't even know if this was really uh, released or not, but I had a collision at first base and I ended up uh, tearing my meniscus. Um, so I was out for like two weeks. Um, I got all these MRIs and whatnot and, you know, had a, it ended up being a partial tear and I needed surgery, but I, pretty much told Wilk, like, I'm playing no matter what, like, I'm not, you're not making me sit out here. Um, and obviously had to be careful because, you know, you're in summer ball, you're getting prepped for school ball. So I called up my Tufts head coach and was like, Hey, like the doctor said, um, I could play through this. I'm just going to need surgery after the summer. Like, is this okay? Um, he was like, he was like, as long as you're not going to hurt it worse, like go for it. And as long as you're going to be back for our spring season, so I took two weeks off and uh, the Vermont um, training staff did a really good job with me. And I ended up playing the rest of the summer um, with like a partially torn meniscus. So that was a um, interesting summer with that uh, in regards and was still able to accomplish so many things. Um, 
And then obviously us doing so well as a team was a great success in its entirety. That's crazy. I did not know about, cause I, I think I knew you were hurt for a little bit, but I didn't know about the severity of the injury. That's well, at least what it was. Any way to get your reps, got to get reps. Sure. Yeah. I just wanted to play too. Like I'm, I'm a gamer. I don't like to like the other option is to go home and get surgery and just sit home for the rest of the summer and sit on the couch. And I, that didn't really interest me. So the second a doctor was like, you can, you can play through this. Um, you're just going to need surgery in August. And I was like, I'm doing it. Like I, I don't want to win another championship here. So. so you ended, you ended up getting the surgery later in the summer. Yep. Uh, end of August, I got um, my meniscus surgery. So I was out like around three, four months and then um, got back in time for the tough season, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as long as you're back for the spring, as you said, that. Yeah, 100%. And 2022 was also a fun summer in the way we did our all-star game. You both were named all-stars. George Goldstein and Joel Lara were the captains. A lot of Blake monsters were picked for team Goldstein, except for Tim noon. <laughs> so Tim, I want to ask your perspective on that being part. First, first of all, for both of you being part of that, but for Tim being the only Lake monster, on the other side of Team Goldstein versus Team Lara. Well, well, Joe Lara was my guy back in Brockton. You know, he he roamed center field for me. He didn't let anything drop. So, you know, I, I owe him I owe him something for how he played for me back in the day. So, obviously, I was disappointed that Big George didn't didn't select me. But as soon as I saw myself under Team Lara and I was the only Lake Monster, I was pretty fired up. It was a cool experience because being the only Lake monster on the other team, I was able to meet and, and hang out with guys from all, all over the league. So I got to know a bunch of different guys from a bunch of different programs, which was awesome. Um, so I think we ended up losing that game, but ironically enough, I was talking to Getty, who was, who was the coach of team Lara. And I was half jokingly asked him for an at bat in the bottom of the ninth. And he said, yes. And I, I tried to tell him I was joking and he told me, no, I had asked. So if it came, if my spot came up, I was going to hit in the bottom of the ninth. And I I think I was on deck when, when the final out was made. Otherwise I was going to have to go up and face George Goldstein in the bottom of the ninth. Um, so thank goodness that didn't happen. <laughs> he was very excited to face you. We, yeah, did, I, we, did I, the mic, I, we did the mic'd up and he goes, I think nude's getting an at bat in the bottom of the ninth. I was going to, I was going to guess one pitch and, and take the hardest swing I could t possibly take and hope I made contact. But you know, George, he's, he's a tough guy to hit for, for real college hitters, let alone a guy that doesn't hit. And then Jimmy, what about you? What do you remember from that all-star game? Yeah, I just remember it was a lot of fun. Um, something I do remember is George saying he's going to pick all the lake monsters. And I think he said he's going to choose me with the first pick where Timmy or what, whatever order it was. And he ended up choosing like Hornug and uh, Jackson Hornug instead of Timmy. Um, so we got, gave a little beef within the locker room. Um, not, not actually, but it was just, it was, no, it was all good. Was beef. Yeah. They, okay. Yeah. There was beef. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember um, that being just a cool experience. Um, you know, like Tim said, you're meeting guys from all over the league um, coming from all different programs. And it's so cool. Like how, quickly you bond with um and other players even though you're just there with one day um with each other um but that that whole scout day experience was pretty cool um you know taking from bp and running and doing all that stuff like a pro style showcase and then playing the game um 
in a competitive fashion um, was pretty cool. And then I, I know you guys mic'd up uh, George on the mound and stuff. So all that stuff just simulates like MLB all-star game festivities. And it's a really cool experience for all, all of us. He was hilarious during the mic'd up. So funny. I, I didn't stop. I, editing it was because I just couldn't stop laughing the entire time. Had to cut out a lot of things. <laughs> Hold on. We'll get right back to Back to the Futures. But first, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England. Not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. And for you, Tim, before you went to Duke, you played at Babson in the new Mac, which, if I say so myself, is one of the best conferences in New England. How do you Absolutely. feel? How do you feel new Mac play and playing at Babson prepared you for Duke? Yeah, it definitely prepared me. There are a lot of great hitters in the new Mac. A lot of a lot of really good talent all around. So playing two full seasons, playing a full slate of games, especially my senior year, where all these teams had full scouting report on me really knew it knew what my stuff was it was it's tough to get through a new mac season unscathed it's a grind it's you know you get your three game series back half of the season they're intense um you know it really feels like every weekend is a rivalry weekend no matter who you're playing which is which is awesome because with a relatively short conference season everything really matters in the way the conference is split up you know, a loss here or there knocks you from first place to third place, and all of a sudden you lose home field advantage. And I just thought it was unbelievable baseball, really good talent. There was never an easy lineup to face. There was never an, an easy out. You had to be locked in the entire time, and, you know, that's that's what you sign up for. That's why you play. You want to be facing the best competition at all times and, and, and really force yourself to grow and get better. And the new Mac, without a doubt, has prepared me for – all levels of baseball that I've, that I've gone through. So Jimmy, before Duke, you were at Tufts you, before transferring, obviously playing against top teams in new England and throughout the nation at a division three level. How do you think it prepared you for such a big jump to the ACC? Yeah. So Tufts was a um, tremendous experience. Um, we had a great coaching staff throughout my four years there, obviously the weird years with COVID and everything. Uh, and then we had a coaching switch, uh, my sophomore going into junior year. Um, so we had a new head coach who came just from California. Um, so we ended up switching our spring trips. We actually went out to Cali um, and played some of the top division three programs in the country. Um, so that was a great experience for us, both my junior and senior years. Uh, but on top of that, just the NESCAC is just super competitive. You know, at Tufts, we uh, always talked about um, how the NESCAC runs through Medford. 
Um, that was our little slogan that we always talked about as a team. Um, but yeah, the, the competition was good. Um, playing in summer bowl leagues, like the futures league or playing in the Cape, um, greatly helped me, um, for now prepping me for Duke. Um, but you know, it's, it is the, the division three level, but the grinder remains the same. You know, there's, there's great players all around the country, whether you're D3, D2, D1. Um, and as you, you can see that in leagues like the futures league or the NECBL or the Cape there, there's good players everywhere. Um, so the, the grind doesn't really, doesn't really change. You know, now that I'm in the ACC now at, um, a program like Duke, it's obviously a big, a big jump. Um, but the biggest thing that I'd say, and I think uh, Tim could attest to this is just the amount of resources that we have here at Duke and the money involved, um, at, um, in Durham and, you know, just being in the ACC, there's the different gear you get, the resources to get better, um, the amount of hours you can spend with coaches, things like that. Um, but other than that, you know, the playing, playing baseball at Tufts, you know, truly, um, developed me as a person and also a baseball player and, you know, um, couldn't be happier um, to be here at, at Duke now um, for my fifth year. So, and the NESCAC went through Medford. You guys ended up winning the conference, and you got a taste of what it's like to be in the NCAA tournament, seeing the best teams in the nation even more than you did throughout the regular season. What was the biggest difference between Division three players, the top Division three players, and D one players that you've seen? Um, honestly, it's not, it's not that big of a difference. If we're talking the top division three players and then just regular division one players, um, and you can see it in the, the leagues throughout like the summer bowl leagues. Um, it's not the biggest difference when you, but the, the thing that I will say though, when you look at the rosters, it's just the depth we're talking like, obviously, you know, you could have, um, guys like myself or Timmy and like Timmy in the rotation or things like that. But when you get into your, uh, sixth, seventh arm in the bullpen. That's where the difference is between you know a school a school in the ACC versus a D three program in the ACC. You're still going to have your seventh, eighth, ninth pitcher still throwing ninety plus miles an hour versus you know Division three program. It could dwindle out a little bit. Um, and same thing with the lineups. You know some lineups that we face in Division three level are, are strong throughout, but others you could be like, all right, you only have to worry about a couple of hitters. Um. So that's the biggest thing I'd say is just just depth, and I think Tim could attest to that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I touched on it a little bit, but Jimmy Jimmy kind of hit a lot on it. One of the things I noticed is it's kind of the physicality of guys. There are a lot of there are a lot of big guys, you know, over here at Duke. Obviously, we had some some big physical guys at Babson and played against some big physical guys, but I think top to bottom, the the physicality is one of the bigger one of the bigger differences in my mind. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. Rob Zorian started the company Zorian Back Company in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. And last year, you guys, your teams faced off against each other where Jimmy got the last laugh with the Jumbos with a 4-2 win with two hits from Jimmy. 
Was there any extra drive from either of you to win against each other? Um, yeah, that was just that was a lot of fun playing against um Timmy's team because we also had Timmy's cousin who Ryan Noon who played at Tufts the previous year and did his fifth year at Babson. So when he came back to Tufts, we had a little rival rivalry going there. Um, and it was a midweek game, so Timmy uh, didn't pitch, of course, but you know uh, he was chirping me in the dugout and all this stuff, and it was uh it was good getting the last laugh and you know getting two hits or whatnot. Um, but yeah, that was a whole lot of fun playing against them for sure. Yeah, I lobbied to try to make myself available out of the bullpen just to to come in and face Jimmy if if the situation called upon it, or uh, Connor Bowman, a fellow Lake Monster that we played with. But ultimately, I, I didn't win that battle. But it was it was fun seeing the guys that I played with in the Futures League, Silas Reed, too, one of my good buddies, and it was fun watching the guys compete. You know, I would have loved to see Ryan Noon, my cousin, go yard against his former Jumbos team and. And lead us to victory, but but it was it was a pretty good game, and unfortunately the jumbos came out on top. You talked about Ryan a little bit right there, Tim. You yourself come from a baseball family. We mentioned Ryan and his success, but also your dad's been a successful coach, and he's also spent time with the Red Sox staff. What was it like growing up in a baseball family and picking the brains of family at Thanksgiving and all that? Yeah, it was it was awesome. I've I've grown up around the game my entire life. I've been fortunate enough to grow up and be around the Red Sox and Babson as a kid. So I was able to learn a lot and and I feel like that experience has allowed me to understand the game at a level more than just a player because I can go inside the mind of of a coach at times and think, you know, how's a coach going to be thinking looking at a certain situation and I think that has helped me on the mound. It's definitely helped me in preparing for games. And the great thing about having your dad as a coach is you're one easy phone call away from, from just discussing the game and discussing, you know, how to get myself better. What can I do to, to be a better player, better teammate, a better leader and really anything baseball related. It's, it's an easy phone call away. Thanksgivings have been, been fun too. just everybody in my family plays baseball we've got you know ryan played college baseball i got two younger cousins that are that are grinding looking to play college baseball as well my younger brother played baseball all his life too so it's it's a fun atmosphere just talking baseball watching baseball breathing baseball and and everything about baseball yeah that's great yeah that's great and and you talked about it you know having your dad as a coach you talked about leadership and that's super important as a player too and you said you've been a veteran and in a number of locker rooms so that's that's good that he taught you that and you were able to use that on the field yeah absolutely and tim you were quite the award winner uh these last couple of seasons in 2023 you won the d3baseball.com you were part of the all-american team and the region one first team 2022 and 2023, you were ABCA region for one first team. What was it like to be recognized regionally and nationally and accept those awards? Yeah, it, it's a tremendous honor being able to to accept those awards and be recognized. But it it really isn't an individual sport. There's a lot of things that got to go right from all nine guys in the field in order to to have me be successful. And I've been fortunate enough to have one of the best infields in the country behind me. I feel like they're turning a million double plays. I've had great catchers keeping my, my spiked sliders in front of them, taking, taking runners off the bags, really helping me out. So 
it's a tremendous honor, but it's it's definitely not something that that comes without everybody else behind me. Yeah, that's great. Defense wins championships, as I say. So that's great to have that uh that defense behind you. Mm-hmm. And then Jimmy, speaking of awards, you've won a few yourself, including American the AB or excuse me, the ABCA all region third team and all NESCAC second team. How did it feel to be recognized by your conference and regionally as well? Yeah, like like Tim said, if anytime you're getting recognized uh, with your conference or nationally, it's it's definitely a huge honor and goes back to all the hard work we put in as players. Um, but similar similarly to what Tim said, you can't just do it on your own. Um, you know, the coaching staff and all the, the hard work they put in and you're grinding going out there and grinding with your teammates. Um, this isn't just a one man sport and you know, that's why there's nine nine guys in the lineup each and every day. Um, you know, but the coaches putting you in the right position to succeed and going out and individualizing your workouts or batting practice plans or hitting plans, whatever it may be to make sure that, you know, you're getting the most out of yourself. Um, and I think Tufts did a great job with that, um, with me. And then they're also doing a great job with other players as well. So, um, good things to come in that program for sure. Um, but yeah, it just, it just goes down. It's just, it's just a huge honor in general, um, for sure. And going into it statistically, Tim, last year you had a 2-1-3 ERA in 72 innings while racking up 73 strikeouts but only walking 10. How did it feel to absolutely dominate every time you touched the mound? Um, It, it, it was a good year for sure. I, I had a lot of fun out there. And one of the big things we focused on as a program at Babson is not walking guys. One of the mantras I've tried to live by, and I feel like it comes true, is anytime you walk a guy, it just feels like he scores. So limiting free bags is something that has always been a strength of mine and I've tried to use. And, you know, in terms of the statistics, it's it's cool being able to look up and see your numbers. But one of the things that when I get out on the mound, you know, my job is to give my team the best chance to win and go out there and and put together five to seven innings and, and keep my team in the game. And that's, that's one of the things I'm more proud of is, is coming off the mound, knowing that my team's winning and that I'm handing the ball to the guy behind me that I trust to to slam the door. I feel like that walk comment is so accurate. I've never pitched. I've only watched, but I know Matt's pitched obviously, but I feel like that's just so accurate. Yeah. You walk a guy, he always scores for some reason. Always. It's the most frustrating thing ever. <laughs> Every single time, like this entire fall, I've walked one kid and he always steals second and scores every single time. And to Jimmy, you led your team in hits, doubles, slugging percentage, and RBIs while hitting 324. Any pressure being in the middle of the lineup? And how do you manage to be so consistent throughout the year? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say there's, you know, too, too much pressure, um, you know, being in the lineup or middle of the lineup for the three straight years at Tufts, um, you know, it kind of just comes natural. And I, at the end of the day, I have to stick to what, you know, what I do best and I can't be overthinking things. You know, I don't, um, I don't really stat watch that much. You know, I just go out there and try to barrel baseballs up and move runners over, score them, you know, just do my thing. Um, and I, I check my stats probably like once every 10 games or so, but I feel like if I checked it every, every day, you'd be, I'd drive myself crazy really. Um, but yeah, when I'm up there at the plate, I'm just doing everything I can to help my team win. Um, and, and ultimately that helped me put together good numbers, but at the end of the day, it's all about the team winning and 
um, that's what, what's most important. And that's what we did with the NESCAC title. So. Yeah, that's exactly what you want is you win championships. The stats will come and go, but that's the most important thing at the end of the day. And so we have a very rare podcast episode today. Obviously you guys are on the same team, but you also are recording in the same building right now as you are roommates. What is it like living with each other? It, it's been awesome. I remember when I first uh, made the decision to come to Duke, talking to Coach Pollard, just trying to figure out roommate stuff. I mentioned that I knew Jimmy um, in that in an ideal world, it'd be cool to live together. We actually got a, another Futures League alum living with us, Logan Bravo, Harvard guy. So it's it's cool having three New England guys, three Futures League guys. We, we got a nice place down here in Durham. It's an awesome area. So I'm having a blast. I hope my roommate feels the same way. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It's an absolute blast. And I'm surprised Tim didn't bring the story up, but um... – the f- I knew he I I knew he um was talking to Duke um and I was actually playing a NESCAC series at Colby and I remember getting back onto the bus after the series and Tim texted me and just out of the blue and it was just like do you have uh, did you figure out your roommate situation and I was just like I, I don't know like I don't know like not really why and then he basically just broke the news that he was uh, committing to Duke as well um so we're, and then like you said he already talked to Coach Pollard that he knew me um so we were just like all right heck yeah like we're we're gonna live together it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome you know we're already best buds from lake monsters and let's do it that's a great story and logan was made aware of this podcast by joshua cummins our uh yeah and he didn't want to join <laughs> I'll, I'll have to have a word with him about that yeah i don't <laughs> i don't know if josh didn't send him a link so well that's messed up that's messed up i know honestly he's probably listening in the room over right now too <laughs> He's got, the, he's got the cup to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, one final question with you, kind of wrapping this all up. This has been great so far. In general, we'll start with Jimmy, and then we'll go to Tim. What was it like playing in the Futures League, and what are your favorite memories from when you guys stepped on the field, whether it was at Vermont, in Brockton, wherever it was? Um, playing in the Future League was um, an unbelievable experience, you know, just to be a part of the league. I remember going into college baseball already thinking about what summer ball leagues I wanted to play in, and the Futures League was at the top of my list. Um, so just playing in the league was an unbelievable experience. You know, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, just having the professional baseball feel, the grind, and the bus rides, and hanging out with your teammates constantly, an unbelievable experience. And then and we, I had the pleasure of playing in Burlington, Vermont, which I had no idea what to expect it to be like. Um, but obviously it was an unbelievable experience with the fans and whatnot and tremendous coaches. And, and I feel like you can't get that everywhere in the country. Um, I know Pete, uh, Pete Wilk always says Burlington, Vermont's the best place to play in the entire country for summer baseball. And that couldn't be more true. Yeah. I, I can't say enough great things about the futures league, both in Brockton and in Vermont. I've had, Great teammates, great coaches in both areas, great, great organizations, great ownership that have treated us extremely well. And I'll be forever grateful for the Futures League. In terms of, you know, one of my favorite memories, I looked to Vermont. I pitched in a, it was an early July game right before the 4th of July, military appreciation night. We were wearing the USA uniforms. We had a pretty big crowd. It was against Nashua, who always is a good game. And I just remember standing on the mound for the anthem, watching the honor guard stand there and walk off and turn around to see the full lower bowl, pretty much full. 
and and get on the mound to warm up. And it was a pretty surreal moment because up until that point, uh, you know, it was just starting to heat up in terms of Lake Monsters baseball getting hot and kids getting out of school and, and coming to the games every night. And that was the first moment like, wow, this is this is really cool. Just hearing the crowd just go crazy and, and that whole professional baseball experience coming to light for the first time. Yeah, I mean, you said it. There's nothing like those crowds, and there's nothing like the baseball that was played uh, in the Futures League the last couple of summers. It's been great to see. One other thing I want to um, add there is just playing in the Futures League. Obviously, you're playing with guys in um, all from all over the country coming together. Um, and you know, we we're gonna have a big Lake Monsters matchup this year with Duke UVA because we have me, Timmy, Ed Ed Hart, who pitched in Vermont this past summer. And then MJ's not here anymore, but he's a Duke Blue Devil as well. And then UVA, we have Ethan Anderson, Anthony Stefan, Justin Rubin, um, Harrison Didwick. Am I forgetting anyone, Tim? Pretty much half their lineup. Henry Godbout. Can't yep, forget Henry him. Godbout. So huge, huge Lake Monster matchup coming up this spring. So that'd be a lot of fun. I was going to say, between Duke, you said Duke and UVA. I was like, that's half of the roster of the last yeah. few years in Vermont. Yeah, legit. Yeah, we will be all over that game for sure. Gentlemen, this has been amazing. Jimmy Evans, Tim Noon, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Best of luck with everything, and uh, we'll hope to hear you guys, from you guys soon. Thanks, Thanks guys for having us. It's been awesome. Absolutely. This has been Season 8, Episode 3 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. Thank you.